I'm so glad to have you here on the Peaceful Chaos Podcast. Welcome. My name is Mark Involmi. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, and I hope you had your mental health check-in for the day because I know I've had mine. And uh, let's jump right into it. Hey, Lawanda, thank you so much for being a guest today on the Peaceful Chaos Podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, and thank you for all those that are tuning in today for another episode uh, on the Peaceful Chaos Podcast. My guest for today is none other than the lovely Miss Lawanda Lawson. And today we will be discuss- discussing the de- depression that stems from grief. Uh, Lawanda, I would love for you to tell folks a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Lawanda, as Markin said. I am um, a wraparound facilitator where I currently now work with homeless youth between the ages of 18 and 22. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, but prior before that, okay. I was working in mental health where I was working with severely mentally ill people. I also have a nonprofit called Renewing Minds where we are merging mental health and the church. Super excited about that. So okay. Mark, thank you for being a part of our organization. Um, and No problem. Making it go where it goes. So yeah, pretty excited about being here today, Mark. Okay, cool, cool. And I know our topic, uh, depression that stems from grief, will probably hit home for a lot of people. Um, you know, because grief is just something that's pervasive. It affects all of us on some level. Uh, so um, as we delve into this topic, just, you know, Lawanda, I just want to know, how has uh, grief affected you in, in your own personal life? Yeah, so, um, wow, grief, it's affected me in so many ways. A few years back, I lost one of my best friends, Um, And then a year after that, my father passed away. And then two years after that, which was recent in October, my grandmother passed away. And so grief has, um, and and to be honest with you, when my best friend passed away in 2017, Mm -hmm. I think I was sad, but I didn't really know grief. So I didn't really know what that meant. I just know that I'm sad and I don't feel like being bothered. And that was that. Mm -hmm father passed away I think I was introduced to grief and just was learning more about grief and what it looked like and grief wasn't just the day of the memorial service like grief went beyond that and sometimes I felt like grief Mm -hmm. hit harder once you was not in the hustle and bustle of trying to plan a memorial service because you're so distracted by everything that you're trying to plan but once everything quiets down that's when the reality hits you of man, my loved one is actually gone. They're not here. So it's affected me tremendously. Wow. I, I, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, oftentimes I would see people who have lost a loved one or a close friend. Uh, they, I don't know if it's done purposely, but I would, I would notice how they would try to keep themselves very busy uh, I don't, to, not, to not have to think about the lo- their recent loss. And you know, when you when you just uh, what you just alluded to with, you know, when you were when everything quieted down and you had time to collect your thoughts, that's when those those feelings of grief must have just overwhelmed you. Correct. Yeah. And so it, the thing is, Mark, and they have these this thing called five stages of grief. Yes. Um, and so one of the first stages is denial. And I think that's a I can mm-hmm. say for me. 
I think I was in so much denial where I couldn't even just sit down and be present and wow. just wrestle with, okay, my dad passed away or my grandmother passed away or my friend Portia, she passed away. And then the deaths and how they passed away, especially my dad and my, my, my best friend, it was so overwhelming that I just didn't want to think about it. And so that denial aspect is... Yeah, I know they're gone, but I'm not trying to deal with it. Right now, I don't I don't really want to deal with that or I don't I haven't come to grips with it. Um uh, Absolutely. By the way, just so you know, you're all in my notes cuz I did plan on going over the five stages of grief. So, oh. <laughs> you kind of beat me to the punch with, with that denial. Um and I'm sure denial m- must have looked different for you mm-hmm. because you lost three different individuals in your life and they all had a, had a different role. Yeah. So, um, could could you could you um, unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. So when my friend Portia passed away, the denial aspect for me was, um, I think the denial more so came in how she passed away. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. she was sick, or you know, maybe she was struggling real real bad. So maybe she died by suicide, whatever. But when I found out that the young man who she had been fostering was the one who took her life, wow, it was really like okay, this is, that's not real. I don't believe that. I just met, and I had met this guy a week before he did it. So I was like, he's a 14-year-old. He seemed nice. I know him. You know, that's not possible. And I would tell him, like, I don't believe that. I do not believe that this young man did that. And it was so hard for me to um, really just wrestle with, with God, you would really allow that? Like, this is the truth. And so... Um, so that was the one aspect of, you know, my friend, just me being in the denial. But when my father passed, now my mm-hmm. father passed from an overdose. And so wow. it was like, we kind of knew he was, um, we knew he had, you know, relapsed back into substance abuse. Mm-hmm. But I think the denial part for me was he's not gone yet because we were mad. I was mad at my father, you know, the wow. he passed. So I was like, I didn't get an opportunity to say, Hey, I'm sorry. I know I was mad. Can we talk about it? So the denial was, you know, um, this couldn't be true, you know, and, 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 and it was so much going on that night when I found out, um, my sister was in Maryland. So I was on the phone with her, you know, and, and then we had to go and get the car and bring it back to the house. So it was so much, I didn't even have time to really process my father passing away. Um, and then with my grandmother, now she, she passed away. She, her, her kidneys just failed on her, Mm -hmm. but, the at that part, Markin, when the doctors told us, hey, once we take her off of everything, because, you know, there's just nothing else that we all could do. I figure, OK, my grandmother has at least two or three more weeks to live, you know, after we take her all of, off of all those machines. And Markin, I keep uh-huh. on, the day after we transported her to hospice, she died the next day. And that aspect uh-huh. really took me because I was like, well, God, I wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't ready for her to pass so soon. I didn't really get an opportunity to prepare and it's like well LaWanda how do you how do you really prepare you know for that um you just never you really never do and so those are the I hope I answered the question but those what denial looked like for me for each death yes and you know denial is really just another word for like a numbness and shock that we initially feel when we when we first received the news yeah Uh, but and just how you explained it, your denial looked different in all three instances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a different level of denial that you experience 
um, when you hear about someone's sudden passing who you never expected to pass, like your best friend, right. um, I'm sure it was a little different for your father, although there was so much um, that you didn't get to say that you wanted to say uh, be, because of because of his um, past struggles, you had an idea like any day now you would get that message. And and then with your grandmother, although there was some denial there, I'm, I'm sure it was nothing compared to what you experienced with your best friend. Right. Because your grandmother, her, like you alluded to, her kidneys were failing. So you and the immediate family somewhat had an understanding that this is not going to last, you know, like eventually. Yeah. You guys, you guys are gonna have to like make 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 funeral arrangements. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but I, that's what I kind of wanted to unpack a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you said um, you wasn't ready to lose. You 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 guys didn't feel prepared to. I'm I'm butchering my paraphrase right now, but I'm trying to say is that you guys weren't ready to lose grandma, right? And um, and I wonder, like, are we ever ready to lose anyone in our family? If you, if you really think about it. I don't think so, Mark. And I think mm. you can prepare. Like, you know, like now my mom has my mom has a terminal illness. And so my sister, mm -hmm. we know that that day is coming. However, mm -hmm. it all, when that day comes, you're never, I think you're always taken back and you're shocked. Like, I can't believe this is it. Or, mm -hmm. and it's like, how do I not believe it's it when I knew it was coming? But it's always, it's just, I guess you don't know the day, you don't know the time. And mm -hmm. you just really never really prepare for it. Absolutely. You, yeah. It's, it's just, like, like I said, it's just something like, inevitably, we know that um, if we all live long enough, we're all going to have, you know, we all have a date a reservation with that with, with this experience to call death right um but but it's just something we you know we want to procrastinate with because you know we feel like there's so much left undone that we want to we want to do and say with family members with friends things we're trying to do in life and um we kind of like just push it off into the back burner of our minds expecting like oh you know it's gonna happen one day but not now one day not now and i think in in doing that we're indirectly not preparing ourselves to receive that news about anyone that we may care about. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, um, I think, I think grief is death and grief is something that we should do a better job of just as people as a whole of, you know, just keeping a little memo in the back of our minds, like uh, this, you know, as painful as it is, it's it's one of the natural rhythms of life that along with you know with people being born but you know like we're not i don't think we'll ever get i don't even think we'll ever be ready to really receive that news uh and i also wanted to touch on lawanda how loss looks different mm -hmm. for others i know when we think of grief we immediately think of losing a loved one or losing a good friend mm -hmm. but um People grieve about other life transitions and experiences, such as, uh, you know, parents, you know, let's say a young man or a young girl is moving away and going off to college and her parents are finally become him or him or her parents are finally becoming empty nesters. You know, to know that your, your baby has left the home, like a lot of parents have not prepared themselves for that. 
I see this a lot because my background is Caribbean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a lot of the moms, when when their when their kids leave the house, they'll call like every day, or when their child gets married, they'll hit them up every day, not realizing like uh, you knew this was coming, yeah. right? And you almost didn't prepare yourself mentally for it. And another type of loss can be, you know, there's just some people out there who just really love their pets. And when that pet has either ran away or died, like some people like full blown, they grieve. Like I'm talking tears, everything, because they've taken that pet to be a part of the family. Um, and sometimes it can get more serious, such as retiring from a job, get going through a horrible divorce, moving. And, you know, you, and you have to uproot from all your close friends and family and the roots that you've planted. Um yeah. Or even get termination from a job. Yeah. You know, let's say you've been on a job 15, 20 years. You have retirement. You like you, you've you've um, you've you've cultivated a lot of great friendships mm-hmm. uh, along the way. And, to you know, to get the pink slip one day, I'm sure this past year in 2020, so many individuals have received have, have received somewhat disturbing news along those lines. Like you're no longer working here or you've been furloughed. Um those, we don't stop to think, those individuals, they go through some form of grief, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think you're right. I think any type of loss, whether it be job, whether it be, you know, I lost some finances, whether it be I lost a relationship, you there is some type of grief and mourning. And mm-hmm. uh, you're right. I mean, there was a friendship I, I, I um, that we're no longer friends. And I was so sad about it because, you know, it felt like, you know, I had lost someone because I did. I lost a good a, a friend. Well, I thought we were good friends. Um, uh-huh. and or even just you know when I talk about my mother and just losing, I felt like an aspect of us have lost our mom because if you know my mom, she's very outgoing. She's the life of the party. You know, she likes to go. She, you know, she loved to be in Jamaica, Las Vegas. So that's who she was. You know, and then prior to her illness, uh-huh. and when she got this illness, it was. You know, it was none of that. Her spirits are down most of the time. And so it's like wow. grieving the, you know, her, she's still here, but she's not the mom who she was when we were younger or, you know, before we went mm-hmm. to college. So that's that, that for us is still an ongoing grief. You know, as we watch mm-hmm. our mom, we still grieve. Um, sorry about that. We still grieve our, mm-hmm. our mom who we knew a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. I'm like, I'm just taken aback. Like, you lost three important individuals in your life. Like, um, throughout all those three experiences, would you say you experienced some level of depression oh, along the way? Yeah, I, I definitely think I felt honestly more of the depression with my grandmother and my dad. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because they were right here. Now, my friend, my best friend lived in Montgomery, Alabama, so I didn't see her all the time. We talked most every other day. Um, Mm -hmm. But for my dad, you know, my dad was the first man in my life and, you know, know, Mm -hmm. losing him and that mother and that father-daughter relationship um, wasn't the greatest, but he still was like the Mm -hmm. first man. And so, but my grandmother, it hit me so hard because I just could not, I still felt like I was in shock after she passed. Like, you know, my grandmother was, her and my mom were very influential women in my life. So they kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, they raised my sister and I. 
So it was hard to, to, for the ideal of, okay, my grandmother is actually gone. And, um, I, I tell you, Mark, and I felt like I didn't want to talk to anybody. There were days wow. where I should have been like, you know, really working hard. I would just lay in the bed because, mm-hmm. and I was at my grandmother's house, just laying in her bed, but I was just Wow. Down. I think I even skipped the therapy session just because I couldn't gather myself to even go to therapy, which I knew would be helpful. I just didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, those are some signs of depression, how you've lost all interest to do anything. You just want to stay under the covers yeah. um, and, and not only under the covers, but under your grandmother's covers, because you're trying to hold on to any semblance of, you know, of, of, of the happy moments you had with her, you know, you, those treasured memories. And just the way you describe your grandmother, she sounds like she sounds like she was the matriarch of the family. Like um, she was like that, that mother figure for all of the women in your family. Would you say that? Uh, well, it's just two of us, my sister and I. Um, so my okay. grandmother is not my mom's mom. That's my father's mom. Oh, your father's yeah, mom. So okay. It was it was difficult because the the Lawson side, which is my father's side, you know, my grandmother, all of her family lives up in West Virginia and, and Philadelphia. So there's no okay. Lawsons here, but except for Toy and I, you know, there's mm-hmm. any other Lawsons. We're not related to them because all our family is in Philadelphia and stuff. So it, after she mm-hmm. passed, my sister and I would be like, "Well, Toy, we don't really feel like we have anybody of on that side of our family here." Because they all live up north, so that was the the most devastating part too. Like we don't, and so my, you know, that was the devastating part. But my grandmother was like, she was really that that backbone in a sense mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. So that's another stage. You just we just touched on depression. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're not going exactly in the right order. Right. You know, first we mentioned the now, but since we since we jumped on over to depression. Um, that's actually one of the stages of grief. Like we can we can honestly experience some level of depression, you know, like and I wrote a blog about this a while ago on my website where, you know, sometimes if you don't have a mental health background, you could just assume um, sadness is, a, is depression. And it's really not like, you know, like the natural reaction when you lose someone, you should be sad, like. If, if, if just because you're sad doesn't mean anything's wrong with you, you're grieving right now. You lost someone who you care deeply about. But um, some some signs of depression could be um, loss of interest in things you used to enjoy, uh, un- inability to concentrate, um, issues with your sleeping patterns, your eating, you have no appetite, uh, j- just a sense of, and sometimes it can even get severe. Um, it doesn't sound like yours was that severe. Would you say it was to where you were thinking about you were having thoughts of not even wanting to be here anymore? Were you struggling with any of those thoughts? No, I didn't have any of those thoughts. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, I didn't throw the, this precursor at mm-hmm. you. Um, what, on this podcast, I just welcome when you're brutally honest like that. So. I hope you didn't feel offended with me asking such a personal question. No, Marky, you know me. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, I I just want to throw that out there. Um, Because I think uh, when people hear your story and they hear how you had to grapple and and eventually overcome whatever was mentally um, impeding you, I I, I think it could be a form of encouragement. 
you know, because a lot of times uh, we grieve privately because we feel like society won't accept it. The funeral's over. We need to keep things moving. So we get very busy. We go back to work. We, 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 we take on, we, we take on our responsibilities again. And, and in the process, we don't realize that we've neglected ourselves. Yes. Um, and, and, and that is so unhealthy. And, and I know therapists who get caught in that trap, who know better and they know what to do, but they um they feel so obligated to be there for everyone else that they don't they don't crop out time to be there for themselves. You know, Mark, and I think too a lot of that I think mm-hmm. a lot of that also is in that denial or that avoidance type, uh, which I talked about last night in class, but just avoiding mm-hmm. sitting in the grief. Because to be honest with you, mm-hmm. when my father passed away, I was like, I don't like grieving because I feel like I'm out of control emotion and so you know at any moment something could remind me of my father you know he was a part of marching 100 and so when I would hear uh different things like bands and stuff you know I would just cry and I'm like I don't like just crying you know makes me feel like I'm emotionally out of control and so or just Thanksgiving this year you know we usually go to my grandmother's house and cook and my sister she you know, bless her heart. She wanted to still cook and, and do all this stuff. And I just did not have it in me. And and that's when I, I was angry. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know who I'm angry at. I don't know why I'm angry. I'm just, I don't want to do any of this, you know, toy. And she understood, yeah. you know, where I was. But I just think that, um, I just think that that, that denial and avoidance aspect, because Markin or whoever's listening, it is hard to sit in grief. It's hard to just sit in it and just be like, okay, Mm -hmm. God, I'm going to be present with where I'm feeling. And if I need to cry, Mm -hmm. then just let me cry. And I think, yeah, I think part of that, you know, that's why so many people want to, okay, after the memorial, after the funeral, we done, we back working, we doing what we got to do. We got to go get this money or whatever. And it's like, you ain't got to go get no money. You just don't want to sit in what we're doing. (laughs) But I think also, Mark, and when you think about it, you think about when somebody passed away. Everybody's mm-hmm. calling you from the time you said that person passed away to the memorial service. People calling, checking yes. on you. They want to give you this. They want to give you that. Literally the mm-hmm. day after the memorial, no one's calling you. No one's coming to yes. on you. So it's 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 really like you think, well, wow, does people think I'm stopped? People think I'm done grieving or people think this is over for me? And it's like, I don't think people think it's over for you, but sometimes it's just we move people you know people are moving on it's not their family you have one or two you know my roommate um Mm -hmm. shout out to Rodina when we were roommates she was she was there even after the funeral she would sit she would listen now she's a therapist so I wonder if that had anything to do with it but Mm -hmm. she was she was still present even after the memorial service for my sister and I and that was helpful because you did feel like okay somebody care you know what I mean so I think that yes. you know, I think a lot of people, it's just hard. You f- you feel like I don't want to be sitting here crying for no reason at the stoplight now. I don't want to do that. But that's just you sitting in the grief. And that that's difficult, Marking, you know. Absolutely. By the way, Lawanda, every every time you said about three things, I just wanted to I just wanted to stop you and be like, no, let's <laughs> talk about that. But I didn't want you to lose your frame of th- your train of thought because it was so right. good. The first one being um, just sitting in that grief, um, that is so pivotal. 
uh, you know, as a therapist, uh, one of the forms of therapy I, I really enjoy is EMDR. It's, it's one of the forms of, it's one of the modalities that I use during trauma, doing trauma mm. therapy. And when you, and when you're doing this form of therapy, you have to go back and sit in that trauma mm. and it can be painful and scary in such a dark place, but that's the only way to push through it to get to the other side to where you'll really get that healing that mm. you need. And I think with grief, it's almost like the same process. It's like, um, you know, you know, I see this a lot with a lot with guys and even some women where um, people feel culturally, we can feel so uncomfortable crying or showing any type of mm -hmm. emotions. And when you're grieving, especially if it's someone really close to you, like a parent or a good friend, you can't have you can't have a, a sit down and try to reason with your emotions, say, all right, tears, you're not coming <laughs> out. You know, I got to go to work today. You're not going to embarrass me at work. Like you can't right. do that. No matter. It's like the harder you try to hold it in, the more it comes mm -hmm. out. And, um, and I like what you said, just, just sit in there and, and sitting in there, you said you were angry and is like I've experienced this when I've lost um close loved ones or and I'm sure you've experienced it as well sometimes you don't even know why you're angry of course you did allude to early in the podcast you were angry at your father because there was so much um that was not that so much left unsaid and probably and probably um situate you wish situations would have played out differently um, mm -hmm. I wonder if you also experience another stage of grief, which is bargaining. This is where you're having constant thoughts of, could I have done more? Um, should I have been angry? Uh, should we have talked about this? Um, should I have come around more? Like, did you have any of those thoughts when you lost your father or any of your other close loved ones? Um, with my dad, I didn't. Okay. I think... Cause I felt like there was nothing I could do. My dad, you know, I take that back. Mm -hmm. I think my dad struggled so much with just his, you know, illness. I mean, he had a lot going on health wise too, uh -huh. but he knew he was, you know, going to pass away. But I think a part of me was like, well, maybe I should have been a little bit more nicer. or Maybe I should have talked to him. But when you, when you have a, a parent that's dealing with substance abuse, uh -huh. you just don't really know. You can't really connect with them because they're either not there. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad would be gone for days. We would know where wow. he was. That's how we, he had, you know, relapsed back into substance abuse. So a part of me was like, maybe I should have been more nicer. However, with my grandmother, mm -hmm. we went back and forth, back. Should we have allowed her to get the surgery? Should we have done this? Should we have made that decision? Mm -hmm. Maybe if we did this, you know. So, you know, with our grandmother, it was, Mark, and it was so tough because, we had to make health decisions for her. Mm -hmm. So we were always wondering, my sister and I were always wondering, we would ask, of course, my roommate, because she was so there with everything. We were like, Rodina, do you think we did this right? Or we'll ask the nurses, are we making the right decision? And everybody was definitely encouraging us. And But it was still that one thing, like, if we had did this different, maybe we wouldn't have, you know, experienced that. And it was like, you know, that's where we really had to just stop and say, okay, God, you are sovereign. You have, you have all this under control. And there's nothing else we can do. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. if that bargaining is not processed um, properly, it could actually turn into guilt. And, mm -hmm. and once you start dealing with guilt, 
the grieving process has come to a halt. It's not going anywhere, you know, because mm. because guilt just has a way of sitting on us. And if it sits long enough, it can turn into shame as well. So um, oh. how are you able to grapple with the situation with your grandmother and not allow the bargaining phase to turn into just straight up guilt to where you and you and your um, sister and mom were just taking all the um, placing all the blame on yourselves for um, agreeing to having her um, have the surgery. So Toy and I, my sister and I made the decisions. I think we just had people in our life. And that's why it's so important to have community as a believer, because I just really feel like the enemy does a really good job, not trying to, you know, boast him, but he does a good job with planning different things or mm -hmm. elaborating on negative thoughts that you already had. Mm -hmm. So if you have a community of believers who's there to either pray for you or remind you, like, you know, God knows, you know, what you all did. He saw your heart. You know how people always be like, God know my heart. But literally, God knew our heart with wanting to make sure that our grandmother would not be in pain. Mm -hmm. So so it was really just um, one, the discipleship group that I'm part of with GF. And then this other little small group that I have that was just constantly encouraging us. Friends, my best, my two of my best friends, they don't live here. One lives in Arizona, one lives in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, they were extremely instrumental with just encouraging checking in um so it, it's just once again it's just a community mm -hmm. of people in your life and believers at that okay believe and I, yeah. I i think the supports it sounds like you're you're alluding to your support system which i think is so pivotal um so often when people are grieving they're grieving alone because because mm -hmm. they feel sometimes they feel like no one will understand and you know if you're not used to you know engaging in meaningful communication, you don't know how to share these intimate moments of your heart with, with other people, you know, it's right. especially, and I mentioned this on my previous pod podcast, if you're from different uh, demographics to where mental health is not embraced, you could look at the grieving aspect as weakness, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so now you're, you're grieving secretly, almost like you're doing something, <laughs> almost like you're doing something shady that no one should knows about should know right. about and all all it is is that you're going through a difficult season right now you're grieving you're hurting uh, which which is actually normal you know but if it's so important to have someone there for you and i'm glad that you had a group of you had a tribe that you could really lean in, into and say you know what i'm hurting right now i'm angry um i'm having i'm going back and forth through these thoughts of should i have done this should i have not done that uh yeah and you know and you were able to process that which leads me to my last stage, mm -hmm. which is acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. for those who've lost someone who, um, you who's been really near and dear to you, acceptance doesn't mean you forget, like, mm -hmm. you, where, where you just stop remembering the person, oh, that's part of moving on, we're not going to talk about this, like, that's not acceptance. Acceptance mm -hmm. means... Every now and then you'll think of some some happy moments with that individual and you'll get a bit emotional. Like nothing's wrong with that. What did acceptance look like for you, Luanda? Um, you know, Mark, that's a really good question. Sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like I haven't <laughs> accepted things, but I think a part of me, you know, I think acceptance for me looked like with well, definitely with Portia. Um I I don't really remember what it looked like for me. It was just you know, I think 
talking to my different friends, mm-hmm. uh, the community in Alabama, um, which was a huge community that me and my best friend was a part of. I think we just came to the conclusion where we do what Portia went. Mm-hmm. So with her passing away, it's like, all right, we know to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so we knew Portia's life. And so that way mm-hmm. we could be confident, like, okay, Portia's with the Lord. And I think that was the acceptance. Okay. Again, like I know Portia's with the Lord. Okay. Um, with my father, it just wasn't that way. I think with him, I think the acceptance came I think that just came with time where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, my dad, uh, we know my dad's not here, you know? And so I think that's kind of, I hope that answered the question. I felt like that was so vague. <laughs> that's just, no. you know, that's kind of just how I can explain it. Cause I just don't really know when that came. Uh-huh. Uh, with my grandmother though, it's still honestly marking. I think I've accepted that she's passed. Mm-hmm. I think parts of me still goes back to like, I can't believe this, you know? Yeah. So when we go to her house, I mean, her house is still there. Mm-hmm. When we go to her house, we always look at her picture and I'm like, God, my grandmother's really gone, you know? For some reason, I don't know why we thought our grandma was going to live forever. You know, that's not even true, but. Because that's you know, grandma, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true, Mark. And that's, you know, that, and she was everybody's grandma. Yeah. Well, you know, we heard the stories like, Wow, grandma did that for you. So mm-hmm. that's what it was. So I think I'm I'm coming around, Markin. It's such a day by day, you know, or you know, like Pastor Ross been talking about moment by moment. Yeah. It really is moment by moment for me to really just submit this. God, I understand you my grandmother's not suffering anymore. So help me to accept that she is gone and mm. not trying to continue to keep her here if that makes any type of sense but um, I got you so but yeah it, it sounds like to me you're at you're at different place you're at different stages of acceptance with all three individuals who are so near and dear to you that you lost um, and I, I think that's okay and for those out there listening acceptance means that you've come to terms with your grief um, and now the healing process um, can fully run its course. Uh, but if you feel like you're not there yet, that's okay. You you want you you want to give yourself the grace to heal because that time limit of grieving will look different for every type of different loss that you've incurred in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and and sometimes it takes a while to get to that acceptance place. And because sometimes the depression can hinder the grieving process. And mm-hmm. it's, it's good to take, to do um, a self-awareness of yourself, to see where you're at, to see like, am I getting better? Am I getting bitter? Am I, do I feel stuck? Do I need to talk to someone? And I think those are the moments where uh, we can be honest with ourselves and say, you know what? I've had a friend to speak to, but maybe now, I, maybe I need a, a, a mental health professional to speak to. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think there should be any shame in, in saying that. I don't think so either, Markin, yeah. because one thing that my friend always reminded me of, um, and she's a therapist, you know, Rodina, I always tell Rodina, like, you could be my therapist, she's my friend. And she would always tell me, like, I can't be your therapist, I'm your friend. And I understood that from going to therapy. Like uh-huh. The therapy relationship is completely different than the friend relationship. Yes, yes. And so my therapist, although I would love for her to be my friend, she is my therapist, and that's just what it is. And so 
you know, it's so beneficial to process these hard things with a therapist. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I just want to touch on one more thing, Lawanda. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's flip the tables a bit. We've been talking about the grieving person, but what happens when you're that friend mm -hmm. who's trying to be there for that other friend who's lost someone? Like, we, we forget sometimes how awkward it is Oh yeah. When when you're trying to be there from someone for, for a close friend or family member who lost someone and you're not directly affected by the loss. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you could you could stumble and say, you know, uh, I really don't know how to be there for this person. Um, mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced that? Um, I'm trying to think. I think there have been a time. Yeah. You know what? There have been a time this and I don't know if this is going to make any sense. Uh -huh. My sister and I, I can say my sister and I, okay. we grieve totally different. Mm -hmm. And there are times where I feel like my sister is a little bit more hurt than I am, or she's a little bit more sad. Uh -huh. and, and I don't personally know how to be there for my sister. And so it's mm -hmm. like, well, I know she's sad. Or part of me, and this is, and I don't know if anybody's felt this, maybe it's just me. Sometimes I've also felt like, I don't want them to be grieving. Like I want them to be the person that they are. I want them to be happy and fun and all this uh -huh. other stuff. And so therefore I am like, okay, well now I don't know what to do because they're on this continuous <laughs> sadness and I'm expecting them to be this one way. And so I think for me, what I've had to do, Markin was really pray and just be like, God, how do I, how do you want me to show up for this person? Because yeah. I just don't know how to, and I want to be effective. And sometimes God just want me to, to just pray for the person and just let them know that they're, I'm there for them. That's all he wants me to do. I don't have to try and come up with no crafty or eloquent, you know, words that's going to really soothe them because I've noticed sometimes it just doesn't work. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you know, It's just a matter of just asking, you know, or sometimes asking the person, like, how do you want me to be there for you? Or how do you want me to show up for you? And it's just sometimes they don't know. So then you just kind of go to pray. Sometimes they want, I just want you to sit here and listen or, you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah. But, all right. Thanks for that answer, that response, Lawanda. That's actually uh, what's going to be, <laughs> you take some of my response. <laughs> I, I think, you know, one of the best ways to be there for someone who's grieving is to ask them, how can you serve them in this, in this trying time? You know, a lot of times we, we assume that the way we, the, the way we would respond respond to grief to grief to grief will be the way that someone else will respond respond to grief and that's not the case like you may grieve to where you don't want a lot of people around right right but i may grieve to where like i want the house full of friends and family so mm -hmm. so sometimes i can make the mistake of not even checking in with you and just saying hey all 25 of us we we showing up at Luana's house and we about to surprise it you know <laughs> thinking i'm doing something good but in your mind, this is overwhelming. You yeah. are already grieving. You can't, you can't handle this right now. You know, yeah. and I think we have to take a step back and, and really just say, you know what? Uh, everyone's different. Let me ask this person how I could be there for them. And even if the individual doesn't know how, doesn't know how they would like for you to be there with them, sometimes the best thing you could do is just, having a, just have your presence there and say absolutely nothing. Because mm -hmm. if I'm hurting, there's no eloquent speech like you uh, like you just mentioned that that you could give to me to make me feel better to appease my pain it's nothing but knowing knowing that you're there as a friend your presence is there 
just 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 uh just a hand on my shoulder let me know that you know what man you're not in this by yourself i'm right here with you right. sometimes that could go that could be go so that could be so much more encouraging mm-hmm. than trying to give somebody someone this eloquent speech that you you drafted and you thought through and you wrote up like yeah um, it could be it could come across a bit in off you know inauthentic so i think uh i think what we shouldn't do also is not not do anything so what we'll so what it, i've seen it look like is if someone's grieving after the funeral no one mentions the loss no one checks in mm. i've been guilty of this so that's how i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i've had to apologize no one says um how have you been since you've lost so and so uh, yeah. What state of mind have you been in? So we just keep things moving, right? And mm-hmm. um, and that hurts the grieving person. The grieving person wants to hear that. Wow, today is so-and-so's birthday. Mm-hmm. You know what? So-and-so would have been this age. You know what? So-and-so used to like going here. They they. It almost helps that you acknowledge like, because those are the intimate moments that are running through the mind of the person who who just incurred the loss. And yeah. to know that you're in, you're sitting in that with them, it could be a, it could be a bit encouraging. Yeah, it can. And and then I there um just know too that the grieving person has a ball of emotions, so they are yes. everywhere with their emotions. Yes. And, um, one person that was really helpful too was Tierney Woods. She um she just I felt like she's like the grief guru. Um, but you know just this thing called grief share. That uh-huh. I did when my dad passed away was so helpful because you're in there with other folks uh-huh. that are grieving. And these people, I was the only one who had lost somebody recently. Everybody else had lost people two years ago. This mm-hmm. man lost his wife maybe six years ago. And so it just showed you that grief does not have a time frame. Like you don't be like, oh, she should be grieving by the end of uh, March. No, it exactly. doesn't have a, yeah. a time. But, you know, for the grieving person, sometimes we just are... We just, and I think that's how I've approached people now. After I've lost, you know, three significant people, I've I've just wondered, hey, how are you feeling? Because I know you can be everywhere, or you know, sometimes you're tired of telling people how you're doing, or you're tired of telling people about the status of whatever the case may be. But it's good. I don't care how tired somebody may. It's always good to have somebody say, how are you doing? How are you dealing with? You know, like you said, Mark, yeah. just checking in. Hey, I'm here for you, Pastor mm-hmm. Rod. He always asks, Lawanda, what can I do for you? I say, Rod, you asking what can you do for me is what you can do for me, you know? Because um, it goes. <laughs> shout such, out to Rod. Yeah. It goes such. Yeah, shout out to Pastor Rod. It goes such a long way, you know, with pers- people feeling like I'm cared for, you know? Yeah. And, and, it, and it's helpful. And you don't have to really do nothing. You just ask me how I was doing. And that just helped me. And that went a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And lastly, I know our time is wrapped, coming to an end. Um, three things I want to remind everyone that could hinder the grieving process is number one, when we avoid or minimize our feelings and pretend we're okay when we're really not. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, overworking to to um, to overcompensate for us not having to want you know to think of the um, loss that we've just incurred. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, re- reverting to unhealthy coping skills such mm-hmm. as alcohol, drugs, or just. Um, very unhealthy behaviors, whatever whatever those things may look like, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, because all the, all of those things could be um, cheap substitutes in processing your grief. 
And and I would and, and if anyone's listening in and you fall into those categories, I would just really encourage you find you a mental health professional, a support group, or even a good friend who can give you some trusted and 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 good advice. To, or or even if they don't have the right advice, if they could steer you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Last thing I would want anyone to do is to process their grief by themselves because it could be very it it could be a very dark and lonely place, and no one should have to go through that alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's that's some good advice, Markin. I would encourage everybody the same thing. Do not try and do it alone. Don't retreat to yourself um, because at that point, emotionally, you're just not stable. So yeah. you can't think that you who's unstable going to be able to stabilize yourself. That's just impossible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, LaWanda, um, I know our time has come to an end, but I just want to say I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast with me today. Yeah. Um, hopefully this is not the last. Hopefully uh, not. <laughs> Listen, Mark, we can switch podcasts. You come to mine, I come to yours. Hey, why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but um, having before, me. before I let you go, I just want you to just share with the people out there um, some of the things you got going on and how they could um, how, how they could connect with you. Yeah, so right now, um, what I have going on in regards to Renewal Minds is we are la- not launching, but we're putting out more of the podcast that we already recorded. So you can always go to the website, RenewalMindsInc.com. Uh, another thing we're going to be doing. Which hold up, I- hold up, hold up, hold up. What if I don't know you? Like, what's Renewing Minds? Like, you ain't tell me nothing about oh, that. Oh, I, I thought I did in the beginning. So Renewing Minds. Okay, uh, there you go. Minds is a uh, parachurch nonprofit. And I always put in parachurch because parachurch simply means that we partner with churches. And okay. what we want to do is we want to partner with churches and bring awareness and education about mental health um, okay. to our churches. So, i.e. grief is something that I think a lot of church folk think that, you after you grieve you're done and then they'd be stuck two years later trying to figure out why haven't they got over their lost one it's because you're still grieving so um mm-hmm. renewal minds just wants to bring in different aspects of mental health one of the main things that i think we want to do is have um therapy sessions not a long lasting therapy session but something like introductory therapy sessions where you know people church congregation members can get a feel of what the therapy atmosphere feels like and if they okay. feel like they like it then they can connect with that person in private practice for long-term care but we just want to be that liaison that says hey we want to give you a little bit of what it tastes like and then we can link you to that therapist have support groups for pastors and uh, elders of the church and leadership because sometimes they they go untouched you know because they're out trying to you know care okay. for the flock but we mm-hmm. can care for them too. And then uh, we have, we're, so we're going to have a live podcast actually on Facebook that includes Markin. Um, and we're going to be talking <laughs> to black male therapists. Um, and just okay. to hear from you guys and hear from them on, you know, what's their experience like and how many, you know, just the, 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 the emotions behind men and what they, what they get, what kind of guys they get coming into their, their therapy sessions and something that they think we should know. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, we are brand new. We are young. We're about a few months years old, a few months old. So we're not, you know, we're still trying to do some groundwork. That's all right. That's all right. Well, I appreciate you hopping on this podcast with me today. Yep, yep. Um, and um, I'm sure you said some things today that um, 
that will be very meaningful to the lives of so many of the listeners that have tuned in to check us out. So just want to say once again, I appreciate it, Luanda. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. All right. No problem. You take care of yourself. All right. Mark and bye. Thanks for tuning in to Peace for Chaos podcast. And please remember to hit the subscribe button. I hope to have left you guys today with a little bit of hope, encouragement, validation, and safety. Until next time.